The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. Are you doing good today? You look good today. You look good. Are you ready for Christmas? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Hey, do you like our decorations? Do you like the trees up here? Um, I, um, all week, was tempted to sneak one of my deer or my elk in that I have hanging in my office, and I was going to hang it behind these trees like it was sticking out, like looking at you this morning, and uh, I decided not to because I like sleeping in my bed at night, and yeah, that was good. Hey, I, uh, I want to give you a quick um, all-in update. So all-in is kind of code language for uh, this big remodel project that we're currently in. You might have noticed on your way in, especially uh, families with kids on your way down the hall back towards the kids' area, did you notice that it was a lot brighter today? Did you notice that? Um, we, we were able this week, we had all the lighting replaced in the hallway and took the sconces off the wall and did some stuff there. Um, and then you might know, because we talked a few weeks ago, we got our per- Permit uh, to remodel the upstairs, and uh, Pastor Jace and his crew have been hard at work, and all of the framing uh, is done upstairs. The plumbers were in this week. They're almost done. Uh, electricians start this week, so we're making a lot of progress, and we got it all cleaned up this week because uh, Friday night we had an open house. We had uh, like 25 uh, new people come checking the church out at our open house, and so we cleaned it up so we could, get, could give a tour, so I realized that uh, some of you might want to check out the progress. So if you'd like to check out the progress after service, Pastor Jace is going to kind of be right over here. He's going to wait for some of y'all to make your way over to him, and he's going to give you a tour. He'll walk you through the upstairs and show you what's going on up there so you can see, because it's really, really exciting, the staff especially, because the upstairs is where we're moving our offices so we can create a bigger lobby. So all the staff, they know where their offices are now. We're all excited. We're planning you know, my desk is going here and my pictures are going here. We're all excited and we'd like you to be excited with us. Um, Also, as part of the remodel, we are uh, adding an elevator to get to that. The city actually required that. And this week we got our first quote on an elevator and oh my goodness. Oh, so here, here's the deal. I need y'all to pray with me. Okay. If you remember, we prayed right the week before we got our permit, we prayed. I'm like, y'all, come on, help us break this thing loose. And it did. And so I'm asking you to pray that an elevator company will, the Holy Spirit will move on their hearts uh, to give us a fair price. And also, if you know someone in the elevator business, please talk to them and then talk to us. And uh, I think this is going to work. All right. So that's what I wanted you to know uh, about it. So you can meet Pastor Jace and you can get a tour. And uh, that's, it's exciting. Do you like, do do you like these updates? Is it exciting? All right. So, hey, uh, Pastor Jace already mentioned it. We're in a series right now about worship called Adore. We felt like this was the perfect time to talk about worship as we approach the Christmas season. By the way, we're now 15 days out from Christmas, all right? You have 15 days. How many of you are finished with your shopping? Anyone? 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 Just a couple. Of, oh, there's okay. There, so, so 15 days, okay? Like about now, you're going to start getting the emails that say order 
by you know, this day to, to make sure I have a present that I ordered like, uh, we'll say six weeks ago, and I still don't know if, I don't know if it's going to make it, and I'm kind of disappointed. So don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Go get your gifts. Do, do your thing, all, this, all the plans. Uh, but we wanted to talk about worship. I'll give you a really simple definition. I think this uh, is helpful because sometimes in church, when you hear the word worship, you instantly think about the time in the service like we just had where the musicians are up here and they're leading us in song. Uh, We're clapping, we're singing, we're lifting our hands, we're doing those things. And all of those are expressions of worship. And that is a time in our service that we we designate for worship. But, But worship is is this. Here's a definition. Worship is when you express your love. That's what worship is. When you express your love. And I taught this two weeks ago. The the Greek word, when you go back and you study this, it it really helps us to understand worship because it really, what that, the word in the the Greek means, it means to kiss. And uh, it's not like a romantic kiss. It's not like stand under the mistletoe, you know, and get get the girl to kiss. It's not that kind of a kiss. It's, you got to think of like a dog kissing his master's hand as he returns home, right? And I showed you a little video of our dog. His name is Cooper because when we come home, I, it don't matter if we've been gone for, like I can go check the mail, right? And come back in and it's all new again to him, right? I'm like, I was just here, but it took me like three minutes to check the mail. And when I come in, he starts doing, we call it the zoomies. He starts zooming around the house and he's running and he has to go get a toy and he comes and he jumps. He's just like, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home. You're home. And he's licking you, licking you. That, that's the picture in the scripture of worship is to kiss. Worship is a central theme in the Bible, but it's also a central theme in the Christmas story. Today we're going to look at the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to learn about worship as we look at the Christmas story. I want to do something we do every week. I hope it doesn't get old to you, but every week as we get ready to open God's Word, we just pause, we say a really quick prayer. I ask you to say a quick prayer, a personal prayer, and the prayer is this, will you open your heart to what God's Word has for you today? Will you open your heart to what the Holy Spirit has for you today? What's interesting about a Sunday is that we have a crowd of people, and we bring with us our different experiences of the week. Some of you had great weeks. Some of you had tough weeks. Some of you had boring weeks. Whatever happened, here we are. We're getting ready to open God's Word, and whatever your week looked like, we want God to speak to every single one of us individually. He has something for you today. Do you believe that? And we believe that one of the things that helps us to hear his voice is we just, we just pause, we push out the distractions, we say, God, will you speak to us? And what's been amazing is every single week, he does. He does. So how many of you will pray that prayer with me? Will you do that? All right, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your word. It's living, it's active, it's powerful. And so we just pause and we just position our hearts to hear from you. We want to hear your voice today. We sang it earlier. We won't... We won't move unless you tell us to. So Lord, help us today. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. 
There's a lot of characters in the Christmas story. Of course, Jesus is at the very center of the Christmas story, and Mary and Joseph are there, but there's also a manger full of animals. There's King Herod, there's the shepherds, there's the angels, and the group that I want us to pay attention to today is a group called the Magi. Now, we don't know an awful lot about this group. Some call them the wise men, some uh, call them the the kings. Uh, We often refer to them as the three wise men, even though scripture doesn't actually tell us that there were three. We we often do this because, as we'll read in the story in Matthew, they bring three gifts. And so often we just assume there were three gifts, so maybe there were three wise men. But more than likely, these men, the magi, they were serving King Herod, and they they were very smart men. They would have served as the king's advisor. They, they would have uh, been men that would have studied the times. They would have looked for answers in the various pieces of our world. They would have looked for answers in nature. They would have studied the stars like, like an astrologist might. They, they, they were very wise men, and they advised the king. We actually see this in another part of the Bible, uh, in, in the book of Daniel, with a different king, with Belshazzar. Um, Belshazzar is hosting a party, and in the middle of the party, uh, this happens. Daniel chapter 5, verse 5 says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, okay? Can you imagine this happening, right? We had our Christmas party last night. Some of you had, have had Christmas parties. Can, can you imagine in the middle of your Christmas party, a hand appears and starts writing on the wall? This is what's happening in Daniel 5. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, of course, and he was frightened. His legs became weak and his knees were knocking. So watch what King Belshazzar does, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners, and he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around his neck, and we made the third highest ruler in all of the kingdom. This helps us to understand now in the Christmas story about the Magi, the the wise men and who they were. In 1857, there was an Episcopal clergyman named John Henry Hopkins who wrote a a song titled, We Three Kings. Do you all know that song? All the Christmas carol junkies, you already know this song. I had to look it up because I don't remember words to songs. Here's Here's what he wrote. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. I thought about singing it to you, but you would leave. So we, uh, we can read about what this song sings about in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1, let's read this together. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, here they are, here's our characters that we're looking at today, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Notice that, to worship him. We're, we're talking about worship. We're talking about adoring our king 
When King Herod heard that he was heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all of the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared because they were, they were studying the stars. They knew that a new star had showed up. So he goes to the Magi and says, tell me exactly when this star showed up. And he sent them to Bethlehem, Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But that was not his plan. They figured this out. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star uh, they, see, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What can we learn from the Christmas story and the Magi about worship. Matthew begins by saying this. He says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi came from the east and they asked this question, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw the star and we have come to worship him. As I read this familiar story again this week, I noticed that the magi, the wise men, that they were searching. And I begin to think about what were they searching for? What were the wise men? I mean, these guys had a lot of knowledge. They had some answers. They, they were students. They, they, they were studious. And yet they, they came and they were searching. And as they were searching, I think that they were looking for a few things. I think, number one, they were looking for something that makes sense. Do you ever look around the world and search for something that makes sense? I often will read a headline uh, in the news and I will shake my head and I will look around looking for something that makes sense. I, I think the wise men were looking, they were, they were searching, they were, on, they were on a mission to find some things, some answers that, that would make sense. I think they were looking for something more powerful than themselves. <laughs> In fact, I think all of us are on a search for something because we know deep down we know our limits. We know that we're not strong enough. We know that we're not good enough. We know that we're limited in our ability and our knowledge. And the wise men, they're searching for something more powerful. They were looking for something that could change the world around them. They were hopeful that maybe someone, something could happen, could come that would change their world. I think they were looking for something that made sense of the world around them. And ultimately, I don't know if they would have used this language, I think they were looking for something that could save them. Maybe today you too are on a journey and you're searching. (laughs) 
Maybe this week something happened in your life, in your family, in, in your work, in your neighborhood, and you found yourself searching for answers, something that would make sense, something that would be powerful enough to help you in your time of need, something that could help the world around you, something that would make sense of the pain that you're facing, something that ultimately could save you. If that's where you find yourself this Christmas season, you're in good company because the wise men, they were searching and they ultimately found what they were looking for. I want to remind you of a verse that we kicked off the Adore series with found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And here's where we connect this promise to worship because he says, if you will seek for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I love this promise. I mean, all of us probably love this promise that the Lord has good plans for us, but there's a, a little bit of a contingency here that the way we discover the good, hopeful plans of the Lord is in our wholehearted searching, in our, in our, in our I'll say it this way, in our worship, in our expression of love towards the Lord. So maybe you're searching today. Good. I'm glad. I hope. I hope there's some searchers in the room today because if you will search wholeheartedly, I believe at the end of that search, you are going to find every answer you ever need in Jesus. And let me just tell you that when you find Jesus, that some things are going to change. In fact, that's what I want to look at in the story of the wise men is as they came to worship, they they found Jesus, and as they found Jesus, some things began to change. Verse 11, again, it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and it says this, and they bowed down and worshiped him. The, the first thing that I noticed in this story as I thought about our series about worship is this, is that when they found Jesus, it changed their posture. It changed their posture. They, they discovered Jesus. They come to the manger. They follow the star. They get there. They see Jesus. They see Mary and Joseph. And it says that they bowed down to worship. Their posture changed. Again, let me remind you, these are wise, educated, important men who are used to being at the side of the king. They're, they're used to having a, a special access. They're, they're used to being able to go into places that, that normal people don't get to go into, right? They're, they're, they're important people. They, they're used to having answers that the, the common man doesn't have. They're used to knowing more than most. They're, they're, they, they scored higher than everyone else on their ACT, right? Are you, are you following me? I mean, they, these, are, these are guys who most of the time, they walked around with their heads held high, full of knowledge. But when they saw Jesus, their posture changed. All of a sudden, these men who are kind of have their heads up and their chests puffed out, and they, they walked around with a little bit of a swagger because they knew what most people don't. When they saw Jesus, they realized how little they really knew. And it changed their posture. They bowed to worship. 
bowing, you know this, is, it's, it's just an act of getting low, right? It's, a, it's an act of humility. In ancient culture, bowing was the ultimate sign of respect. And when you entered the presence of someone that deserved that reverence, it, it was just the posture. You, you would bow. You would, you would bend to express honor, it showed uh, that you were submitting to their authority, that you were pledging allegiance to, to them. We, we actually see this in the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, it tells us not to make for ourselves an idol of any kind or any image in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. And then verse 5 says this, you must not bow down to them. Or worship them. It, it talks about this posture in the Ten Commandments because they knew in that culture that bowing, it was, it was an act of humility, of submission. I don't know if you've watched this show, but for some, some time, Lisa has been watching a, a, television show, a television show called The Crown. Anyone else watching The Crown? Anyone else watching The Crown? Um, there's a bunch of seasons. I don't know how many, um, but she's been watching it. I was not that interested. And, uh, and then just recently, uh, a, a new set of episodes was released, and, and I, for whatever reason, said, babe, I'll watch, I'll watch the newest season with you. And she said, you're jumping in. Like, it's like, I think, season six or five or whatever. And she's like, you're jumping in at the, I was like, it's okay. I'll just, I just want to be with you. I'm just going to watch. I'm going to watch this with you. And so I, I, mean, I hate to admit this, but now I am watching The Crown, okay? I, I am watching The Crown. If you don't know about it, it's a historical <clears throat> drama television series about the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, Okay. And if you watch, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's intriguing, the, uh, all the protocol, right, for meeting the queen. In fact, um, you could have some fun this week if you want. I did this. I went on YouTube this week, and I, and I just Googled people meeting the queen, right? And, and there's, there's like video montages of like celebrities meeting the queen and people meeting the queen and all, the, you know, all, all of our presidents meeting the queen. And some of them did it good, and some of them didn't do it good. And, and, and here's the deal. If I met the queen today, which I wouldn't, there'd be no reason, but if I met the queen today, I would not walk up and fist bump the queen, right? I mean, I might actually, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't because Lisa would, would be mad at me. I would not, you know, come to the queen like I did some of you during meet and greet, be like, put her here, queenie, right? Like, high five, you know? I, I wouldn't, right? Out of respect, out of honor, right? My posture would change. I would, I would, I would bow a little bit, right? I would, I would show some, some honor there because posture matters. In, the, in Psalm chapter 95, verse 6 and 7, it says this, come, let us worship, here it is, and bow. <laughs> let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. Let us kneel before God, our maker, and I, I notice this language, it says, we are the people that he watches over, right? He's, he's above us, the flock under his care, right? We, this is a posture thing that, that, that worship, when you discover Jesus, it will change your posture. 
You might be working through the rest of your life and maybe you're someone in your job. Maybe you're important at your job. Maybe you're the manager. Maybe you're the boss. Maybe you are the guy or the girl who has the answers at your work. And so you tend in most of your life to walk around with your head up and your chest out. But I'm just telling you, when you discover Jesus, it should change your posture. We bow to him. We, we submit to him. We, 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 we humble ourselves. We pledge our allegiance to him because worship changes our posture. Worship changes our attitude. Worship changes our outlook on life. Not only did Jesus change the posture of the wise men, but here's the second observation I had, is that when, when they found Jesus, it changed their treasure. It says, I'll read it again, that they opened their treasure and they presented him, baby Jesus, with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They opened their treasure. They, they gave gifts to Jesus. There, there's some different interpretations on why these three um, specific gifts were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The most popular opinion I'll, I'll tell you about, we know even today that gold is a precious metal and it has a high value. Am I right? I mean, no one would be upset today if you had some gold in your pocket or some gold in your safe or some gold in your portfolio. It has a value not long ago, my parents, um, they were moving houses, and so they purchased an RV. They parked it at our house. Uh, we have a, a, a spot beside our house where they could park it, and they parked and they lived in it while their house was being built. They moved into their new house, and they decided to sell this RV. They posted it on Craigslist or Facebook or whatever. Uh, uh, they put it on, and a couple contacted them wanting to buy it. So dad told me, hey, I'm going to be out in the yard in the RV showing this couple just so you know. And so we put our dog away so he wouldn't bark at them. And uh, they were out there, and I, I noticed that they'd been there for a while. And so I just said to Lisa, I'm just going to walk around and check on dad and just make sure everything's okay. I go. And I don't see them, so I open the RV door, and when I walk in to the RV door, there sits my dad with this couple, and there's gold and silver coins spread out all over the counter of the RV. I said, Dad, what's happening here? He said, well, these guys want to buy the RV with gold and silver. I said, what? This is crazy. Are they drug dealers? I don't understand. I'm like, can they not go to the bank and get dollars or like write a check? I don't understand this. He said, it's okay. I'll take their gold and silver. I said, wait a second, wait a second. And I said, so I asked, I asked the guy, I picked up a coin. I said, how much is this worth? And he told me a value. I said, okay. I stepped over and I Googled the coin. <laughs> and, and my value, Google's value was not the same as old boy's man, <laughs> value. And I said, well, how much is this coin? He told me a value. I Googled the coin. I did this three or four times, and I pulled my dad aside. I said, dad, I think you're going to get ripped off. I don't know if the guy's lying to you or if he just doesn't know, but these are not, the values are not the same. So we made a deal. I still can't believe we did it. We said to the couple, I, now, I'm, now I am part of the gold and silver negotiations, right? We said, dad and I, 
why don't you leave your gold and silver with us? We're going to take it to someone who knows what they're doing. They're going to tell us the value, and if it matches up, then you get the RV. And they said, okay. They left a bag of gold and silver at my house, okay? We still have the RV, I locked the gate and I made sure they knew that I had a dog and a lot of guns, okay? Because in my head, that night, they're going to come back and break in and steal the RV. I don't know what was going on. So we lock all the coins away in a safe and that week we contact an expert to figure out the value of the gold and the silver and long story short, it wasn't enough. So the next day, old boy shows up with more bags of gold and silver. I can't make this up, y'all. I cannot make this up. Ultimately, dad made a deal with gold and silver and they took the RV. Gold has a value. Am I right? Gold has a value. They showed up, the wise men, with a gift of gold. It had value, and they presented, they opened their treasures. I actually love how it says that in the show. They opened their treasures. It reminds me of our value that we live with open hands, and they give this gift to baby Jesus. Gold makes some sense in this story, but what about frankincense? What about about frankincense? Every time I think about frankincense, I think about Frankenstein. I don't know why. I just, it kind of messes up the Christmas story for me. They they showed up with frankincense. Frankincense was was a perfume. Uh, It was an incense. It, It smelled good. Many scholars believe that this gift pointed to Jesus' role as a high priest. In the Old Testament, the priest would burn incense to the Lord to ask for forgiveness of sins. But then Jesus showed up on the scene and he became the high priest who would pay the price once and for all. And no longer do we have to burn incense to ask for forgiveness of our sins. In Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about this. In verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The frankincense more than likely pointed to Jesus as our high priest. They opened their treasure and they presented this to Jesus. And then finally, they presented something called myrrh. Myrrh was used as an anointing oil that was often used in the preparation of a body uh, to, to go to the grave. And, and many scholars, and I, I think this is, this is true, believe that this gift was a foreshadowing of Jesus not only coming to the world as a baby, but growing up and living a sinless life and ultimately Dying on the cross, being buried in a tomb three days later, resurrecting from that tomb so that we can have eternal hope. They opened their 
treasures. However you interpret the gifts, the fact is that the wise men showed up with gifts. And, and the reason this is important is because we tend to protect what we value. We put valuable things in safe places. We ensure valuable things. We protect valuable things. But the act of worship is laying down valuable things for someone who's more valuable. Worship is us opening our treasure and laying down the things that we deem as valuable because we see Jesus as being more valuable than anything we've been able to amass here on this earth. Can I just tell you today, as we talk about worship, that worship will cost you? Worship will cost you. I, I know we like to think about worship as uh, beautiful artistic. Uh, it's kind of a, a heart thing. We feel it. Like No one loves worship services more than Lisa and I. I love corporate worship. I love hearing the instruments. I love hearing the beautiful voices. I love the atmosphere. I love all that. But I'm just telling you that true worship is going to cost you something. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 24 uh, about one of the most famous worshipers, uh, Pastor Jace actually mentioned David earlier. And, and in 2 Samuel chapter 24, we'll just read this story because it shows us so clearly that worship will cost us. Verse 18 says, On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Aruna looked and saw the king, so David's the king at this point, and his officials coming toward him, he went out. Here's the posture. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant, and David says, to buy your threshing floor, he says, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna says to David, let my Lord the king take whatever he wishes, and I'll offer it up. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. Here's the threshing sledges. Here's the ox yokes. Uh, for, here's the wood. Your majesty, Aruna, gives all of this to the king. May the Lord your God accept you. But the king, David, replies to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. Watch this. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen. He paid 50 shekels of silver for them. There, that's the deal my dad had, 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord, and he sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then the Lord answered David's prayer, and the plague on Israel was stopped. Somewhere along the way, there's been an idea that's been introduced into society that there's a version of Christianity that will not cost you. And I just need to tell you that that is not biblical. <laughs> I need you to know that following Jesus will cost you. 
I, I also believe that following Jesus is the best thing you'll ever do. Some of you will know that my favorite verse is found in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus announced over you and I, he said, I have come to give you life to the full. And I believe that Jesus wants you to have that life, but you need to know that that life will cost you something. That worship isn't free. That worship will cost you. It will cost you to follow Jesus. We were having a conversation this week with our oldest daughter home from college, and I remember sitting there in the living room and hearing Lisa tell our oldest daughter that the scripture says that daily we must pick up our cross to follow Jesus. Daily, it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. Daily, you're going to have to make decisions that will cost you to follow Jesus. When the wise men found Jesus, it changed their posture. It changed their treasure. And this will be the last one, and you know that because the worship team's moving. They're coming, so you know. When they found Jesus, it changed everything. It changed everything. Look at this last verse in Matthew that we read today. It says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Remember, you remember Herod told the wise men, go find Jesus. Come back and tell me because I want to go and worship. But you probably know this, but in case you don't, Herod's intentions were not to go and to worship Jesus. His intentions were to go and to kill Jesus. And the wise men, they figured this out. So it says here, it says, having been warned in a dream, that God sent a dream to them. When, so they have a dream not to go back to Herod. And watch this. They returned to their country by a, a different route. Now, now you could just kind of skim past this part of the story. But as I read this again, I felt like the Holy Spirit stirred something in my heart. It's this little detail in a familiar story. It's the Christmas story. You know the story. You've read the story. You'll probably read the story with your family here in a couple of weeks around the tree. Yeah, it's a familiar story. The problem with familiar stories is that they're familiar. <laughs> and so we think we know it. So I was reading it, and I was asking the Holy Spirit to give me fresh eyes to see this familiar story. And all of a sudden, I noticed this detail that they went a particular route to go and to find Jesus, right? They took a left and a right, and they went through Tucumcari, and they went over here, right? <laughs> right? And they got over there, the Lord warned them. They said, we can't go back through Tucumcari. We can't go back. We, we gotta, gotta go here, and we gotta go this direction, and we gotta, we gotta do this, because they, they needed to, they didn't wanna put Jesus in harm, right? So there's a very practical part of this story that yes, they were just going a different route because they wanted to protect Jesus. But I just, I just tend to think when I read the Bible that there's often more going on than, than we realize unless the Holy Spirit illuminates us to be able to see what's happening. And all of a sudden I realized that embedded in the Christmas story is a prophetic picture of worship is that when you come into the presence of God, however you come, and you allow the presence of God to impact your life, you see as you, see, as you worship, you're, you're giving your worship to the Lord. It's gonna cost you, right? You're, you're giving, you're, you're, you're your posture is changing, you're opening your treasure, you're spending your time, you're, you, you've accessed a place where the presence of God now can interact with you. 
And however you entered into the presence of God, here's the point of worship. We should never leave the same way. It's a prophetic picture. It's a prophetic picture that honestly I hope has already happened to you today is that you came today You came today to worship, and however you got here, whatever your route was, not not literally, not where you turned, I'm talking about your week. I'm talking about your heart. You made a decision today. Some of you felt like worshiping. Some of you didn't feel like worshiping, and you entered in to the presence of God. And what a shame it would be if you left the same way that you came. Because every time that we come into the presence of God, he should shape us a little bit more to be a little bit more like him. I love what Pastor Jay said earlier. He said, no matter where you are, there's more of God because there's always more of him to be had. We come into the presence of God and we're changed. We read this Christmas story and all of a sudden we realize that as the Magi came, it changed everything. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Here's the thing about worship. Often, at least for me, I weave worship and prayers together. Do you do that? Like as as you're worshiping, your heart opens, you begin to think of things, you pray, you submit it to the Lord, and you worship a little more, and then you pray something. That, That just tends to be kind of what happens. And if you do that, you might begin to think that as you worship, that it changes the circumstances. That the things that you're praying for change while you're worshiping. But I just need to tell you a secret that what happens when you worship is it changes you. Circumstances might change, they might not. But what changes in worship is you and I is our hearts begin to look more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but can I just be the first to say that I still need some work in looking like Jesus? And one of the ways to get there is through worship. And so our worship team is, they're gonna help us today. They're gonna lead us in one final song. And I don't know, I just have a feeling that maybe some of you that didn't feel like worshiping before, maybe now that you have the wise men understanding of worship, that maybe now you'll be able to enter in. And I just want to remind you what Jeremiah says, that if you search for me with all of my heart, the Lord says, I will be found. So let me just ask you this question. It's not a trick question, but I am setting you up for these final moments in worship. Is there a part of your life that you know needs to change? Anyone? There's something in your life that needs to change. There's something going on in your life that needs to change. Can I just, can I just help you? That in these final moments, worship team is gonna sing, they're gonna play, they're gonna lead you into a place of worship. They can't worship for you. You're gonna have to do it on your own. You're gonna have to make the decision. I am going to worship today. And some of you, as you begin to worship, it's gonna affect your posture. Some of you are gonna lift your hands. Some of you are gonna bow. Some of you are gonna clap. Some of you are gonna jump. I don't know, those are all posture changes. Those are all appropriate posture changes. Some of you, as you worship, you're, you're gonna open your treasure to the Lord. And you're gonna begin to say, God, 
this thing that I saw, I just thought was so important and so valuable. I just give it to you. I give you, Lord, I give you my family. I give you my marriage. I give you my job. I give you, you're, you're going to begin to open your treasure to the Lord. And my hope and my prayer is that for every single one of us in these final moments, that as we worship, that the things that need to change in our lives would change as the presence of God interacts with you and I. It, can we not just like blow past that? How crazy is it that the presence of God will interact with you and I? How crazy is that? How crazy is it that on this Sunday morning that all across our city, all across our nation, all across our world, that there are churches doing just what we're doing. They're worshiping and God is interacting with them. He's interacting with us. But while he's doing all of that, he cares about you, you, your family, your need, your prayer request, your child, your grandchild, your, he cares about you. That's why we prayed that prayer earlier. Because while God has his eye on the whole world, he has his eye on you. So I just want to encourage you. Would you worship? Would you just, I don't know, it's probably five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. Would you just, would you give, would you give the Lord everything? How many of you will do that with me? Would you give the Lord everything? You're like, Pastor, I can't sing. I can't either, okay? It's okay. So I'm going to go sit by Lisa who can, and the Lord will hear her beautiful voice and my screaming, and he'll be pleased. I just, okay? You're going to do it? You're going to give him everything? All right, worship team, come. Lead us in worship. Let's see what God can do. Let's see what God can do. Are you ready for it? All right, let's go. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.